Please turn in your Bibles to page 1840 or follow along on the screens behind me. We're reading from James chapter 1, verses 19 through 25. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word, but does not do what it says, is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Please pray with me. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we may hear your word with joy. Amen. Well, good morning. I hope you're all doing well. And um, I'm glad you're with us today, whether you're here in person or whether you're at home online. Uh, we hope that you're, that you're blessed today. And remember that God is with us. God is for us. God loves us. God has a plan and a purpose for us. Even in the midst of what's going on in our world, those things still remain true. Mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? We've used mirrors throughout human history to answer a very basic, important question. What do I look like? You know, in the morning, we look at the mirror to see if we're ready for work, to see how we look, to see how our hair looks or makeup or whatever we're doing. We've used mirrors to answer that very basic, important question. What do I look like? We look into the reflection of the mirror and we see the color of our hair or lack of hair. We see the size of our nose, our ears. We see the color of our skin, if we're tan or not. Or we, we see our teeth. We use a mirror to answer that very basic question, what do I look like? Now, we can use mirrors to, to kind of change or shape the answer to that question a little bit. You know, we can use lighting, good lighting, and, and angles of mirrors to put ourselves in a better light, to make ourselves look better than we really do. And we can use mirrors to entertain ourselves, like in a carnival funhouse, you know, where the mirror kind of distorts our body shape and our face shape to make us bigger or, or skinnier or disproportioned. Uh, mirrors, we've, we've had a fascination with mirrors since we first discovered them. There's a book called Mirror, Mirror, written by a guy named Mark Pendergrast. And he's done years of research and traveled thousands of miles and interviewed hundreds of people in his quest to understand the mystery and the power of the mirror. And he's got all sorts of facts and anecdotes about the mirror, like the ancient Egyptians. You know, they would bury uh, their dead with the mirror because they thought the mirror kind of captured their soul uh, and, and it would carry them into the afterlife. 
Sir Isaac Newton supposedly was so obsessed with mirrors that he nearly blinded himself by studying, by gazing into the mirror at the sunshine, as the sunlight reflected in his. Uh, we use mirrors to, uh, huge mirrors to, to look in our space farther than we could. Um, and, and there's also this art of, of scrying uh, in which a person would stare intently into a reflective service for so long that they would go into a trance and they would use it to supposedly predict the future or look back into the past. Well, this morning, as we continue the sermon series that Pastor West kicked off last week, I'm going to point you to a different sort of mirror. And this mirror, not only it, it doesn't just it, 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 it doesn't tell us what we look like necessarily physically, but it does t- uh, tell us and show us who we really are. You know, now a little bit about the book of James, as I said, Pastor West kicked it off last week, but James was the half brother of James. He was a very practical and pragmatic guy. We're calling the sermon series straight talk because that's the kind of guy that he was. He was a straight shooter, you know, kind of uh, told it as it was um, very, very to the point, didn't mince words. And, and, and his, his, he had a, he had a love for Jesus. He had a love for the church and people in the church. And he had a love for the world. And so he wanted to make sure that people's faith was authentic and that it was real. That our faith wasn't just some sort of a kind of high and theological ideas or mental assent to this or that. Um, you know, he wasn't against the mind. I mean, he was an intellectual guy. He was a smart guy. But he wanted to make sure that, that, our, that our faith led to something. Later, a little bit later, we're going to see in James where he says that, you know, faith without work is, is works is, is dead, that it's unproductive, that it's, it's not, you know, it doesn't, it's not real or genuine unless it produces something. And, and so he's saying that faith has to lead to action. And to do this, he kind of begins to set the table here at the, the, the end of chapter one, where he, he holds up this mirror the mirror of God's word, of God's truth, and says, you know, if you really want to know if your faith is real, if, if your faith is leading to action, hold up this mirror, look into it, look into it deeply, and it'll tell you who you really are. It'll tell you what you really believe. Because our actions are always connected to our beliefs. So let's pick it up. James 1, and we'll not read the whole thing again, but we're going to read verses 22 through 25 again. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a a man who looks at his face in the mirror. After looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what? He does. Now, as I said, we use mirrors to see what we look like. But we also use mirrors to see things that we can't see without the use of mirrors. Right? Like like when you drive a car or a truck. Use a mirror to see what's behind you or what's coming up alongside of you. Astronomers use mirrors to see something deep in outer space. We use mirrors to, 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 to understand things around us that, that we can't always see without their use. 
And that's the role that God's word plays in our lives. Because there are areas in our lives that we have blind spots. Areas in our life that, that we, we don't want to see or are unwilling to see or, or can't see. And so James says, as we hold up God's word, it's like a mirror and it exposes those things to us. If we look diligently and intently and don't just walk away and ignore it and forget what it's all about. Maybe you've had this experience, you've been in church in a service, or maybe you've been in a Bible study and you're reading the, the Bible and, and for whatever reason, it's just the Holy Spirit, just boom, just that verse just kind of hits you in the face and it just becomes so real and it's so pertinent, pertinent to you at that moment. Uh, it, that's, that's the role that God's word has for us is to have for us. So, so how do we do this? How do we apply God's word? How do we look into it deeply and intently and not be like this man that James writes about who looks into the word and just walks away? He hears it, but doesn't do anything with it. So how do we, in other words, how do we reflect Jesus in our lives? Well, we do it by listening and by doing. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Now, I mentioned blind spots. You know what blind spots are. If you're driving a car, it used to be, now we have these little mirrors that, you know, that get, remove your blind spots. But it used to be you didn't have those. So you had to kind of be aware of that, kind of look over your shoulder real fast, kind of be, be aware of cars coming up behind you and they're not there, so they must be beside you, things like that. But, but mirrors were helpful to point out, to kind of take care of the blind spots when you were driving. And there are things in my life coming up behind me, or in my, alongside me that I just don't see. For whatever reason, I, I, I don't see them. Maybe, maybe it's, uh, you know, maybe we all have things in our background or our culture or whatever that we just have blind spots. And, and we, will, we won't see them until we hold up God's word and God's word uh, convicts and corrects and, and shapes and molds us. And God's word, God's word says to us, that relationship isn't healthy. Or that behavior is going to get you in trouble. Or that attitude is going to take you places that you don't want to go. And God's word, we're told in Hebrews, is like a a two-edged sword. It it cuts deeply. It convicts. It challenges. And let's face it, we don't always like to be convicted. We don't like to be challenged. And, And God knows this is about us as human beings, that we have this tendency. So that's why James is so insistent. Don't merely listen. And you're going to deceive yourself if that's all you do. But do something with God's word. And so he uses this, this, this metaphor that we can understand really quickly. It's like a person who gets up in the morning and he stands in front of the mirror and his beard is half shaved. But he goes to work anyway. Or, or a woman who gets up in the morning and she's, uh, she, her mascara is running and her lipstick is smeared and her hair is in a mess, all messed up and she goes to work anyway. Don't ignore what you see in the mirror of God's word. Now, if you're a parent, how frustrating is it when you tell your child to do something, something that's for their own good, and they say, yes, I'm listening, and they don't do it? Makes you want to pull your hair out, right? When God tells us his children something in his word is for our own good, without leading to action, all our listening means nothing. So we are to be not only hearers, but doers of God's word. 
Next, how do we reflect Jesus in our lives? Let's pick it up in verse 19. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For a person's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Now, we often think this means he's referring to just sort of the general relationship advice, right? You know, we all know it's better to do more listening than talking. Usually it usually kind of we need to be sensitive to other person. You know, that, that makes sense. It's kind of a general principle. It's true. You know, James talks about this a little bit later in, 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 in chapter 2, the power of the tongue and how we are to use our, our words wisely and carefully. But, but James is more specific here. He's not talking about relationships in general. He's talking about how we respond to God's word when it's read or when it's taught. And we, we know that because in verse 18 he says this, God chose to give us the birth, give us birth through the word of truth. That we might be kind of first fruits of all created. So in the original letter that James wrote, there wouldn't be all these headers. There wouldn't be all these different verse markings. It all kind of runs together. OK, and, and, and we can see that that verses 19, 20 and 21, where he tells us, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. This is tied into this idea of of listening to God's word. And the word of truth, of course, we need to define that. It's simply at this time, it was the message about Jesus, you know, his foreshadowing and the prophecies in the Old Testament and and his life and his death and his resurrection. That's what James is writing about when he says the word of truth. And he's saying when it's read, when it's spoken, when it's taught. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. So what was happening? You know, people were hearing in James' day, they were hearing this being read, or they were reading it together, they were studying it, and, and they, would, they would listen to it, and they, then they'd, be, they'd jump to their conclusions. Like, hey, this is, this is meant for you. It's not meant for me. Or, or this person, they really need to hear this. Maybe you've sat in a service, and you've, you thought, boy, I wish so-and-so was here to hear this today. You know, Be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to apply it to others. Apply it to yourself first. You know, we all have this tendency to be selective listeners. You know what I'm talking about? You, you hear what you want to hear and ignore other stuff. We're all good at this. We all tend to do it at times. Uh, when I, whenever I talk about this, I always think about this guy I met over 30 years ago. His name was Oscar, 102 years old when I met him. And he was living in Spokane, Washington. And this was over 30 years ago. And he was living with his nephew and his nephew's wife. They were both in their mid-70s, you know. So they were kind of taking care of each other. And uh, Oscar was a very interesting guy. He became a believer in his late 90s, believe it or not. And uh, he was still being kind of shaped and molded. He still had some rough edges, as we all do. And his nephew loved him very much, but said Oscar could be very frustrating because he only heard what he wanted to hear. Now, he's 102 years old. So you're thinking, well, OK, it's understandable. But 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 I saw it in action. I mean, they would talk to Oscar and he would just tune them out. But if you say to hey, Oscar, we have root beer floats. Boom. He had the ears of a 20 year old. You know, it's just we, we all can tend to do something like that. How we listen makes all the difference in the world. 
I mean, if somebody's talking to you and they're rolling their eyes or somebody's talking to you and you jump in and constantly interrupt with your comments or you're becoming invisibly irritated, are you really listening? If God is talking to us through his word and we interrupt and deflect with, yeah, God, but, yeah, God, but they really need to hear it more than I do. Or, yeah, God, I'm farther along the road than they are. Yeah, God, not now, but later I will. If God is talking and we become defensive, we turn a deaf ear, we practice selective listening. I like that stuff about I'm a child of God and I'm loved and I'm saved, but this other stuff, uh, I really don't want to focus on that. I don't really hear that. What does that say about how we listen and the nature of our relationship and our trust and our love for God? So James tells us when it comes to God's word, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry and argue about it. He tells us, humbly accept the word that is planted in you. So how do we do that? There's a great story about the the prophet Samuel when he was a young boy, before before he became this great prophet in Israel. uh, He was a young boy, and his mother Hannah had prayed to God and asked for a child. She was barren, but... She said, if you give me a child, I will dedicate him to you. And so she had a child and she, she kept her promise. She took Samuel to the, the temple when he was a young boy and, and said, this is, I, I made this promise to God. And so Samuel begins to live now at the temple and, and, leave, and Eli, who is the priest there, is kind of oversees him. And Samuel's a young boy and he's laying in bed and, and he hears a voice and he thinks it's Eli. So he goes to Eli Hey, what, what did you want, Eli? And Eli's, Eli's like, I didn't talk to you. And three separate times this happens. And then the third time, Eli figures out what's going on. He says, Samuel, God is calling to you. So next time, when he, when, he, when, he, when he calls to you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Samuel had to, had to learn how to listen for God's voice and how to respond. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. We all want to hear from God, don't we? There's a lot of things in our world that clamor for our attention. There's a lot of noise. It's hard to hear God sometimes in the middle of all of this. So how do we do that? There's a story about a, a, um, a young boy who, that kind of models this. Uh, you know, ice houses, before refrigeration, there's the ice houses. And they would, they were, they were thick walls and pretty well insulated. And they would have these huge chunks of ice that they would cut out during the winter and store them in there and cover them with sawdust. And they would last well into the summer. And there's this guy who was working inside one and he, he lost a valuable watch. And he searched all over for it. He couldn't find the watch. He was scrambling through the, you know, the, the sawdust, looking between the ice, couldn't find it. Some other people tried to help him. No, 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 uh, no effort. Their efforts didn't pay off. And so they took a break over the noon hour. And the small boy, he slipped into the ice house. And just a few minutes later, he came out with it. And they said, how did you find this? He said, I closed the door. I lay down in the dust and I kept very still. And soon I heard the watch ticking. The question isn't whether God is speaking to us. He is constantly speaking to us through his creation, through other people, through the circumstances of our lives, through the Holy Spirit, and yes, certainly through his word. The question is whether we will have an attitude of speak, Lord, 
your servant is listening. Will we slow down enough to listen and to hear? Finally, we can reflect Jesus in our lives with whom we listen to. In in John 10, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. And then he goes on to say this in verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I know them and they follow me. They listen to my voice. Now, there are a lot of people I listen to in my life. I listen to my, my wife, my kids, my siblings, my parents, my friends, my coworkers, people in the church. I listen to people when I read their books, when I watch their movies, when I watch their videos or listen to their music. And I can learn a lot from these voices. But first and foremost, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I must listen to him above all else. And if I don't, I can begin to tune him out and listen to the wrong voices and become like the man who looked into a mirror, walked away and forgot what he looked like, forgot who he was. So whom do I listen to? Do I listen to the word or do I listen to the world? Because the messages we're going to get from those two are going to be very, very different. The word says that I'm a sinner in need of saving. The world says I can save myself. The word says I'm a beloved child of God designed by God. The world says I'm a product of random processes. The word says I'm 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 priceless because I'm created in the very image of God. The world says my value is determined by what I can do and by who I know. The word says I'm to love people and use things. And the world says you really want to get ahead and reverse that. The word says take up your cross, follow me, lay down your life. The world says If you can't avoid pain, avoid suffering and sacrifice, preserve your life. The word says our lives, we are created for eternity. The world says, no, this is all there is. We're all going to be forgotten eventually with the passing of time. Jesus, the word of God said, my words are spirit and truth. But the world says truth is relative. It's absolute. So. Find and make your own truth. Who we listen to over the course of time will determine who we become and will determine the direction of our lives. So we must be careful to tune out voices and messages which are contrary to God's will. And we must be diligent to tune in only that which is in line with God's word and his will and his purpose for us. You know, in the 21st century here in North America, we have more access to God's word and truth than any previous generation. It's, it's, it's undebatable. We have Christian books. We have Christian music. We have Christian radio. We have videos. We have churches and preachers by the thousands online. We have dozens of Bible translations and study helps. Many of us have several Bibles in our homes And James 1 asks us some very penetrating questions. When we look at our culture, when we look at our communities, our marriages, 
our relationships, our work, our lives, do they reflect that we have listened, that we've heard and obeyed? That has led to change lives, not just information, but transformation? God inspired James to write this letter to the Christians in the early church with the hope that his words would not go in one ear and out the other. And he has the same hope and call for us today. Do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Look deeply, intently into the word of God. Hold it up to your life, to your values and your priorities. Do what it says. Don't be like the man who looks into the mirror and walks away and forgets what he looks like. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for your, your word. We thank you for Jesus Christ, the word made flesh. We thank you that you spoke and through your word everything was created. And we thank you, Lord, that you speak to us today continually. Lord, help us to be people who not only hear your word, but are doers, who are quick to listen to it and to apply it to ourselves, and who, Lord, learn to listen to you in the midst of all the noise in our world. We thank you, Father, for your word. May it do its work in us, that it will accomplish the purpose for which you have sent us. To convict, to correct, to rebuke, to assure, to teach, and to mold. In Jesus' name.